Ayana, what's up? Hey Milos, I'm doing great. How are you? Well, perfect, and actually very excited because um, I'm talking to you.、Um, if you will allow me for just a very quick introduction for the listeners of IT Serbia podcast,、um, I'm talking to Anna Chiara Bellini,、uh, who is director of engineering and female scholarship program lead at TopTal.、Uh, did I pronounce that correctly? That was perfect. Awesome. So you know what? This is kind of a long title.、Um, so. I guess I, I would. I'm kind of inclined to start by asking,、um, how did you, how did you get there? You know, how did you get to be a director of engineering and the lead of 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 a program that we're going to talk about very soon? Absolutely.、Um, yeah, pretty pretty long title, but actually it's two different、uh, things. So、uh, I joined Toftala about three years ago. And what is interesting is that I joined it exactly due to an article that I read about the stance that Toptal has with respect to female engineers, and how Toptal stands for you know everybody being equal and just on meritocracy. And I was pretty excited by that article that is still available on our blog, and and I just applied to Toptal. Uh, I started working as a developer in the network, and、uh, I joined uh, uh, in September 2013. Yeah, so that was a bit more than three years ago. And in February, a few months later,、uh, I was asked to represent Toptal at a conference、uh, for women in technology at the Developer Week uh, in uh, in San Francisco. And I would say it started there. You know, I care a lot for uh, um, women in technology. Toptal cares a lot, and、uh, I joined the core team of Toptal a few months later. So I started working directly with uh, um, the other members of、uh, of Toptal to you know make it happen for our developers and putting them with the right clients. And、uh, after a while, we started this project of the scholarship. Well, if it was only a couple of months, you must have been a very prominent member of the community, which means you were likely making contribution even then,、um, at the, at the very beginning.、Um, but but let let me ask you something. You you mentioned that you 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 said you you're kind of、uh, involved with you know females in engineering, women in engineering.、Uh, why is this such an important topic for you personally?、Uh- Actually, it is important to me in a very particular way, in the sense that I never felt that I had problems as a, a woman、uh, in engineering. I and I don't think I was just lucky. That is、uh, always my point. Like I studied engineering school.、Uh, I am a computer engineer. I studied here at the University of Bologna. And when I started, there were like、uh, three female students、uh, out of a class of six hundred. Um, but for some reason, I never felt singled out. It may be because my mom was a math teacher. To me, it was just normal to be there and to care about math and science.、Uh, and、uh, computer science just came naturally, basically. And、um, it is important to me because、uh, I think it, that is the way it should be. I never had problems. I think that a lot of it has to do with attitude, and I just like to be able to. Show to other women that, yeah, what's the problem? We can do it, and you can do it. Exactly. I mean, I've heard you know that Toptel is very proud of of its female engineers involved in the community.、Um, so I guess 
um, you still consider yourself one of them, right? Absolutely. Uh, like the great thing about Toptal is that we we see ourselves first and foremost uh, as a network of people. Uh, we obviously have a service uh, that we sell to our clients and everything, but it is first and foremost a community and a network of people. So for me, being part of it is uh, extremely important. I take any possible occasion to meet with top tellers and be them in the in our core team or in the network I'm always super happy to meet them and just hang around and learn because it is an amazing community of, uh, of very talented people and I just have a blast every time that I meet with a group of them or even a single one it's just great you know I heard that uh, top tell is preparing a community meeting here in Belgrade so you know make sure you come <laughs> we will be there very soon i uh, thinking about a month from now we're now uh, on a road trip basically a group of top tellers uh, is uh, touring uh, eastern europe and germany i would say uh, we started this road trip in uh, in split in croatia on september 1st and i think it will end uh, I don't remember if it ends in Zagreb or in Belgrade, but uh, uh, we're just going through uh, all of Eastern Europe countries because uh, we have a lot of uh, people uh, in uh, in these countries. We have a lot of uh, people in our network, a lot of great developers, amazing designers, uh, and uh, you know we're just uh, going around and meeting them and just to create a better sense of our community, a better sense of making people understand that working for Toptal is not just... Uh, you know, having your place there to get a job, but it is really being a part of a community. And by the way, I was in Belgrade a few months ago just for another Toptal event. It was back in April, I think, or May. Yeah, we. Um, I I wasn't able to to go back then, but um, uh, trust me, I'm gonna I'm gonna be there on the next one. So what awesome. I, you know, from what I'm hearing um, on a regular basis about Toptal, you are basically working in a how should I say, a diverse and likely a completely remote team, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken? It is completely remote. Uh, uh, like the company itself, not only the developers or the designers that work for the network, but the company itself doesn't have offices anywhere. I work most of my time from Italy, and I say most of my time because I like traveling, so I travel a lot. But we don't have offices anywhere. We have some, I would call them temporary organizations, where maybe a group of top tellers, five or ten people, they just gather someplace and then maybe we book a large uh, apartment or we go to a co-working, we storm a city for a few days. Uh, just recently we were in Lisbon with uh, an event like that for two weeks where we had more than 60 people from both the core team and the network just joining and working together for two weeks of uh, workshops and uh, you know, just exchanging experiences, uh, um, brainstorming, and surfing, which was great. <laughs> um, so we're talking about um, a, a completely remote team and uh, a team of, of very strong uh, achievers. So do you feel like you're making a, a big impact on the industry? Definitely. I definitely feel so. Uh, I think this is... Uh, the way that the market should be completely in, I don't know, 
10 to 15 or 20 years, but I don't see it farther than that. I think we are making a big change. We are proving that it works and, um, and it's working great. We, I mean, remote development uh, has been uh, around for several years now, but many companies have seen it, I think, mistake. It's just a way to outsource job to cheaper countries, you know, uh, and also often expecting lower quality. This is definitely not what we do. Uh, and the best thing, I think, is that uh, we are just a proof uh, that you cannot do only remote development, but you can do remote everything. Uh, we have all of the functions that you can imagine from sales to legal to HR, everything that is traditionally in an office, we have everything remote. We have everything spread out in all the possible time zones of the world. We have people from Australia to all parts of Europe, uh, some people in the Philippines or Malaysia, um, a lot of people anywhere in the Americas, from Canada to United States uh, and South America. And we just are able to make it work very well for everybody. And, um, and we work at a very, very tight pace, I would say. I'm pretty sure we are much more productive and efficient than a traditional brick-and-mortar company. Yeah, but, uh, but I will also say you, you don't really have standard work hours um I, i'm imagining that uh, there are people who punch in much more than eight hours per day or even uh, less than eight hours a day and still maintain a level of productivity would you would you uh, agree with that i definitely agree the good thing is that we don't uh, punch in hours uh i think that one of the biggest problems of traditional work is that the company for which you work it feels like they own your time for eight hours a day. That is it. And that is regulated. They own your time from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. and to 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. And you have to take that hour exactly up from 1 to 2 p.m. for lunch. That is the time that they own. And often, even if you don't have anything to do uh, on a specific day, they own your time anyway, and that is uh, simply wrong. What matters for us is that you get your job done, and uh, sometimes you get your job done over the course of six hours, and that's awesome. Please teach everybody in your team how you did that. Um, sometimes you get your work done in 13 hours. But I also have a point that you don't really work for your traditional employer nine hours a day, because that involves, uh, you know, Getting out of the house, often it requires getting ready for office, and then you have to commute, then you have to work, you have one hour for lunch, and then you work, and then you commute back. So it is highly reasonable to say that the time you spend for work is anywhere from 10 to 11 hours per day. And in that time, you don't do anything else. You don't spend a minute with your family, with your friends. You don't watch The X Factor or whatever that is. <laughs> um, yeah, The X Factor is a big thing in my schedule on Thursday night. Um, but uh, when you work remotely, sometimes I do work, say, from, I don't know, I work at U.S. hours, so I usually start around uh, 2 p.m., let's say 8 a.m. Eastern. And uh, I often finish around midnight, sometimes 1 a.m., 2 p.m., and people will say, oh, but then you work at 10 hours per day or 12 hours per day. But in that time, I do have time for myself. 
I do have time to uh, go grab a coffee with a friend and not just with a colleague. I do have time to uh, to take a rest, to play the piano half an hour, whatever that is that helps me get more productive again. So overall, I wouldn't say that we work uh, really work much more than eight hours, but I can tell you that the time, or maybe not even eight hours, but I can tell you that the time when we are working is focused and productive as it is very rarely the case when you are in an office. I would have to agree with you 100% um, since I also know the benefits of working remote. However, um, here's, a, here's an interesting question. Do you think you would feel the same um, and be as productive as uh, content with your with your job, with your uh, daily daily routine, um, if you didn't have the support which you have being a part of a community such as TopTel? Uh, probably not. Uh, working for a great company is a big part of the equation. Uh, because if you don't have a community, if you don't feel that you are connected to people, working remotely can be extremely isolating can be extremely, um, it can single you out uh, and you can burn out easily or you can feel lonely. So you need to feel that you are part of something. And uh, that's why, uh, well, the company itself, when we talk about the core team, our teams are very, very tightly integrated. We communicate so much. I think that one of the first things that I do when I wake up, even if I don't uh, start working immediately, but usually I will just say hi to some people, check some chats, and it's uh, almost to the level of checking Facebook, you know? It's like, okay, getting in touch with my friends, because to me, my colleagues are seriously my friends. And uh, being part of a community that understands how you work and works like you is extremely important. If I were the only remote person in a company that is brick and mortar that wouldn't work exactly and i also agree it's uh, it's a huge part and um, uh, since i recently started working remotely again um, i also try to uh, build up some kind of a community um, at least just so that i don't feel that i'm alone uh, at least that I have a chance to to talk to someone you know even if it's talking via via chat um, so I, I know you mentioned when, when, when we first talked that you have a bunch of Slack channels, a bunch of Slack groups or whatever. Um, I think that's also a huge part of, of the equation of working alone because at the end of the day, physically, you do work alone. Uh, however, um, it's just like you're a part of something very big and you have a bunch of people you can talk to, uh, even even about completely casual things which are completely non-work related yes and i think it's very important for anybody that is interested in remote working to understand that it's not everything easy you know at at a first glance it just looks like uh, oh my god that's amazing i don't have to go to the office but there are pros and cons like to everything at times it is nice to be in an office at office at times it is interesting to have people around you so working remotely is something that should be taken with the appropriate con 
confidence and knowing what you are doing and expecting that you will have to adapt. Uh, you somehow have to learn much better how to manage your time. You have to learn when you switch on and when you switch off, especially when you switch off. Because when you work in an office, it's so easy. You just go to the office and when you go back, like you you just out of the office door, from that moment onwards, your brain switches off as well. You don't need to be working again. You don't need to go back to that. Um, with remote working, it's much different. And uh, also, being focused and getting things done, it requires some uh, uh, adapting. Uh, it is definitely worth it to me. Like I wouldn't trade it anyway to get back to an office. But there are things to learn. There are things that are good in um, in an office setting. A lot of people mitigate that uh, by, I don't know, we have several developers that maybe uh, they rented an office space they don't work strictly together in the sense that they don't work on the same projects. Maybe it's, uh, I don't know, we have somebody in Zagreb, they have uh, an, uh, a, a person uh, that is in, uh, in the core team and a few developers, and they all work together from the same office um, just so that they see each other and maybe sometimes when they take a break, uh, they chat a bit uh, or maybe they go have lunch together and they're not, actually uh, needed to be there if it, if they don't want to go there for a day but they don't but for some people that is necessary it is still much better than having to commute uh, or uh, long ways uh, or even move to another country because one of the best things about working remotely is that you don't have access only to your local job market which may be not as interesting like the local job market where I live in Bologna it's not exactly as interesting as the job market in San Francisco, I would say. And uh, for me, when I joined TopTal, the, the immediate thing was that instead of working for clients uh, in a small village close to Bologna, I was working for a client in San Francisco that had a much more exciting job. Uh, but you can do that without moving. And, you know, the, I think that the pros are much, much more. But still, uh, there are some things uh, that are not perfect in remote working. Exactly. I mean, it is the 21st century. Uh, working remote is completely possible. And not only possible, it's possible for anybody. Um, you know, yes, there are countries and parts of the world where you don't have proper internet connection, etc., etc. But for the most part... Um, you know, anybody from Europe, for example, can can work remotely. And um, especially for younger folk out there, I would advise people to try, you know, try, try doing it for a while, even even, you know, outside of their regular work hours, uh, you know, freelance in a freelance mode, part time. I always encourage people to do it because, you know, you never know until you try it and, and feel the vibe of, of working remotely. Um, and, and you know what? Thanks so much for sharing your point of view on, on being what, what's called a digital nomad today. Um, I, do, do you identify with that word? I identify with that word perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that in the last couple of years, uh, I spent probably at least 60% of my time traveling. So 
I am often here in Italy, but I've spent really a lot of time uh, away from here, uh, working sometimes uh, from uh, from Belgrade, uh, like I was there for a week, uh, or uh, working from the United States, uh, from Brazil, uh, from a lot of other places. And, uh, and one thing that I always find funny about digital nomads is that most often people share... Uh, pictures and I do that as well like hey the office today and the office is a beach uh, with a coconut uh, on the side and I did that like, I guess share that picture <laughs> specifically of, yeah it's kind of a stereotype but I still yeah. I mean it does kind of portray what you know what people can do when they're in that mode exactly but uh, as you said it well it is a stereotype that's not always how it is like uh, and people should understand that it's not because if you see, yeah, I work from I don't know a hammock in the middle of the Amazonian forest. Uh, yes, maybe there are th some things that you can do there, but you are not going to have a super productive coding session while being on a hammock or on the beach. You know, for those cases, you probably need a more focused setting. But the good thing is that. There is a surely a part of your work, which may be when you're studying something, when you are just replying to emails or taking care of chats or whatever that is, is something that you can really do from, you know, the hammock or whatever you like, I don't know, a buzzing cafe in Paris or whatever that is for you. You need to learn, however, in those situations, you need to learn how to focus. That is something that is very important. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, you, you can do it. That's, uh, I guess, having the, the you know, the, the freedom to do it from time to time is also a very big thing. Um, so tell me something, um, you know, starting from the screening process uh, in, at TopTel and the entire process of working with TopTel, um, how important is education? Hmm, that's a very good question. Uh, if you ask me about formal education, it is not something that we take into account when evaluating somebody. Though it does happen that at the moment that clients are requesting for some highly specialized professionals, especially when it comes to data science or computer vision, there are some fields in development where having a formal education helps. It is not something that is needed absolutely to pass the top of screening process. Um, we completely don't check it. Um, we have often that in the resume and uh, and then when you have been accepted in TopTel and you complete your TopTel profile, you would enter your education. That's always a good information for introducing you to clients. Um, but. It is not extremely necessary. I do have to say that I am in favor of formal education. Uh, I actually have a particular history there because I started computer engineering university uh, right after high school, but I didn't finish it. I was halfway through it. I was working and you know completing a completing your master's degree because uh, it was just you know five years altogether it's not easy when you are working full-time and maybe even more and freelancing so at some point I just uh, went back to school and completed that completed both my bachelor and my master's and I must say that I think uh, 
a lot of the things that I have learned at the university, even if uh, they didn't show maybe immediately a particular um, uh, benefit, maybe it looked like, well, when will I ever need this? Then it comes a time in your life or later when uh, having studied things that are a bit outside of your comfort zone, a bit outside of the things that you do daily, will become helpful. Is it completely necessary? No. Is it uh, required to work remotely? Not. Do I think it is still important? I do. Well, let me tell you that I am also completely in favor um, for, you know, formal education. Um, and I also, and I couldn't, I'm not able to repeat this enough time, uh, enough times. I, I, I think, you know, formal education uh, on, in a university or something similar is a platform which you can use or not use, you know. And you said that the right thing. It kind of gets you out of your comfort zone from time to time. And th that's a place where you can actually learn. Um, however, I also kind of feel, have this, you know, nagging feeling that education as we know it is about to change drastically. I think, you know, on a, on a global scale, education is going to change, especially just, just because of technology, just because of the fact that you don't have to have a live person next to you uh, being your teacher. And I think that's going to change a lot of things. It's, I think it's a gradual change. It's a very slow change, but I'm expecting it to happen. <laughs> so, um, I mean, we'll see. I definitely agree. And actually, you're touching something that uh, is a real dear topic uh, for me. Uh, I am the daughter of a, a professor of mathematics. Uh, and uh, I my first job ever was when I was 13. And uh, I was teaching. At, uh, basically, I was just helping with her homework, a girl who was two years younger than me. Uh, so I, I can't say I've been teaching basically all of my life and it is still a part that I really enjoy in my day-to-day -day job now. Uh, leading a team has a lot to do with uh, uh, training your team. Um, so in general, I really care about education and um, I do agree that it, it has to change. It will change. Um, there are some parts of on-site education that are great. They are mostly related to being able to study together, to exchange experiences, but there are a lot of things that uh, will change. Uh, for instance, you could have uh, a local group of students uh, in Belgrade that are studying at Oxford University and uh, they can interact in live classrooms uh, with uh, uh, their professors and their peers and also have a local study group, maybe if it's just, I don't know, five or ten people and uh, have that kind of experience, you know, working, um, studying together. So it is uh, definitely something that will change. There are a lot of initiatives. Uh, I think that they are still figuring it out uh, when in, uh, it was 2010 or 2011, uh, the first big, uh, massive, open online courses started, uh, the ones that later split uh, into being Coursera and Udacity. Um, they just started with taking courses that they held at university and put them online. I think they, they were great. Uh, and then they 
tried very different directions. Um, I think there is a big problem of people dropping out of uh, of these initiatives right now, but they will figure it out. I'm pretty sure that education has to change. And especially, you know what, um, since you shouldn't really never stop learning, uh, I think that one thing that will change uh, specifically is uh, education for the higher degrees. So at the moment that you are, I don't know, maybe you have your bachelor degree, um, you probably care much less about the social aspect of uh, your college or university, and you care much more about uh, what you need to learn. I, for instance, would love to take, uh, I don't know, a, a master course in, let's say, business administration or something like that, but I will never have the time uh, or the willingness to move to a university campus and live there for three years to do that. That will not happen. And I think this is something that uh, universities will have to uh, will have to think about. Research organizations will have to think about. PhD courses, uh, researchers uh, will have more and more to be remote if they want to attract uh, the right talent, just like companies will have to accept remote work if they want to work really with the best people. Exactly. I mean, a lot of things uh, is changing. Um, you know, some things due to technology being so, you know, turbulent, so aggressively uh, advanced. Uh, and, and, and I guess as soon as, um, you know, some new fresh blood comes into uh, those professor chairs, I guess things are going to change um, because, you know, it's it's a, it's an entire system that's that's been around for, for a while now and it's not easy to change it. Um, but I'm pretty sure we're going to witness a huge change uh, very, very soon. When I say very soon, at least in the next five or ten years. I agree. And you know what? I think that one of the important points is that until a few years ago, no matter how good or creative you were or how hardworking, uh, you didn't really have a chance. You had to move if you wanted to do something, be it work at a great company or uh, uh, attend a great university. You had to move. Those things would not come to you. But right now, the options are so many that a highly skilled professional will not move to, I don't know, the Netherlands or whatever other place and leave behind family and everything just to work for that great company. And uh, even, I don't know, they will not even move to San Francisco or anything else if they can live in a place where they are happier. And the, the more skilled you are, the more that is true because you have other options. So I think that this is a change that definitely will have to happen in education. Big companies will have to accept it. And I think we're just going to witness something very exciting. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> and while we're at the topic, um, so th that second part of your title or your second title, however you want to uh, look at it, is uh, you're a female scholarship program lead. Uh, and, and I've read something called TopTel STEM scholarships for women. Can you say something about that? Absolutely. So, um, I don't know how many people uh, know about what STEM is. It's a science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. So 
anything that you would ascribe to the tech world. These are fields where uh, traditionally women presence has been scarce, to say at least, and the more technical, the least female. So while you may have a lot of females, at least in Italy, who attend mathematics, uh, they may not attend engineering uh, or just, you know, the percentages are much lower. And uh, the scholarship, this program, of which I'm very proud, um, has an um, aims to, uh, let's say, bridge a bit of the gap and empowering uh, women to uh, to know that they have a right to be in technology and to do things. So uh, what we do is uh, it's a rolling program from one year because we wanted to have the most impact possible. So instead of just uh, rolling out one big prize for a single person, we decided to have a rolling program from for one year. We started in uh, we opened the program in November last year and uh, uh, we announced the first winner in December. And we will announce the last one in November this year, so next month. And uh, every month for uh, 12 months, uh, we are announcing uh, uh, a new winner. And this winner will receive $5,000. And uh, most of all, they will receive mentorship for one year. We truly believe that being part of a community, being part uh, of being connected with somebody that is maybe far away from you and having a mentor is something that can change your life. And we have found uh, women with uh, very interesting projects. This is a scholarship that is not connected or tied to being a student at any specific school or grade. Um, applicants uh, can be um, of any age of any nationality and any education. And one thing where we have specifically focused our attention is uh, why would you like to get the scholarship and what would you do if you, uh, if you got it? And uh, we have found just some amazing projects. Our first winner, uh, Rosina from Nepal, uh, as a 26-year-old uh, young woman who is attending engineering, and she started a meetup in Bhaktapur, which is very close to Kathmandu. And uh, she started this meetup. She had about 40 girls attending her meetup. After she won the scholarship, she explained to us that she wanted to sustain this uh, meetup and... Uh, so that she could, she and other people could teach other girls how to uh, be developers. Uh, that meetup in uh, less than a month moved to 110 participants. Uh, they they were able to organize a six-week school uh, with teachers coming from all over Nepal and volunteering their time to teach in the school. They had uh, one uh, class uh, every Saturday for six weeks. And um, and even the Nepalese government contacted them uh, to see if they could roll out a program to bring education in the more rural areas of Nepal. Recently, they had a, a design hackathon. They held a design hackathon, and we had some uh, top tall designers uh, act as remote judges for this hackathon. And uh, this is just uh, our first winner. This is the first girl that we got. And uh, after that, we, I don't know, one of the last, the most recent winners, uh, uh, Michelle Xiao, um, she, when 
she wanted to open um, a design studio. She loves, uh, sorry, a game studio. She loves gaming. She loves to be a game developer, but she doesn't know anything about the business side of uh, gaming. And so she is using the scholarship. She used the scholarship money to fund her. Uh, uh, attendance to um, a game uh, a game school uh, actually it's a university but with a specific program on gaming in Birmingham she just recently moved to Birmingham in the UK and uh, and she's pretty serious about funding her design studio her game studio uh, so these are the projects that we care about these are the things that we try to make happen and if people ask me why women I hope that one day it will be not necessary to have programs that are specific for women. I always think that if I told you that there is a scholarship that is reserved to men, you would tell me that that is wrong. If I told you that there is an event where it's, you know, it's boy geek dinner, ah, that would sound so bad. And I think, I hope there will be a day when even saying that it is for women will sound bad because we will be at a level that it would make no sense at all. At the moment, we still need this to get women together and to make them feel safe and knowing that you don't have to be a weirdo to be interested in development or engineering. You know what? As long as the effects are as the ones you just described... You know, I don't see how it can be. It can be a bad thing. Um, th these girls you you mentioned, they obviously made a, an impact in in the society. Maybe maybe for a for a small you know area for one country, but it's I'm 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 guessing it is just the beginning. Um, and again, thank you for sharing that with the listeners of IT Serbia podcast. Um, my pleasure you know being being a co-host of a podcast like this i i do have the privilege to talk to a, a lot of awesome people and um you know you yourself included so um if at any time there's anybody from top tell someone who has been participating in these kinds of um you know contests um, or any other projects, and if they're willing to share that with a with a broader community using um, this this or any other podcast as a format, we will always be open for you guys um, because I um, honestly think you guys have something to say, and it's always a pleasure to talk to anybody from from your um, I, I I almost said small <laughs> community, but it's <laughs> it's definitely not. Thank you so much. That is an amazing offer. And uh, I will just check out on that. I'm pretty sure that some of the scholarship winners will love to, uh, you know, to be a, to be guests of this podcast. It will be our pleasure and our, our privilege. So, you know, th we we are we are open 24-7 <laughs> remotely. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, remotely has that aspect that it's kind of open 24-7. Yeah, I yeah. try to make it 24-5 so that at least Saturdays and Sundays are off, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's uh, let's make a petition to you know extend the day for thirty hours. Maybe it will <laughs> it will do something about it. Um, so Anna, thank you very much for being uh, my my um, guest. Uh, and um, I, I would say today, but you know, um, someone will listen to this podcast in the in the evening. Somebody's gonna do it in the, in the morning. So it doesn't really matter. Um, thank you very much. It has been an awesome conversation. Um, and uh, if there's anything you would like to add 
um, you may maybe say something to people who are listening to the podcast, feel free to do it. Uh, really, thank you very much, Milos, for giving me this opportunity. Uh, it's been an amazing conversation for me as well. Um, I just want to say thank you for everybody that has been listening to this or will be listening to this. And uh, if you have women that are interested in uh, uh, in uh, applying for the scholarship, just uh, have them take a look at our scholarship. Uh, and it's a toptal.com slash scholarships and uh, just apply there. As always, we will leave a bunch of links um, in, the, <laughs> in the description of the YouTube video slash, you know, SoundCloud, uh, audio, etc., etc. Um, we, I've been, I have the, had the pleasure of talking to Anna Chiara, sorry, Chiara Bellini, who is a director of engineering and female scholarship program lead uh, at TopTel. Um, my name is Milos Jekic. You've been listening to ICT Serbia podcast. Thanks. Thanks.